At this time, our kids can head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids. And they're going to have a great time together uh, this morning as they learn about Jesus. Uh, I would love to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word or turn on your app to the book of John will be in chapter 21. And uh, as you do that, my name is Pastor Tanner Turley. I serve as our lead pastor. So thankful that you're here today. If you are new to Redemption Hill, we want to give a special welcome and greeting to you. So can we just give it up for all of our new guests, whether they're here today or joining us online. Uh, So thankful. And we have some great resources for you on our app that you can download at the App Store. Uh, You're going to find some resources there. One that I want to point you to is our digital connect card. So if you've never filled out our digital connect card, we would love for you to fill that out. And, And we have two questions for you. Number one, how did you find out about us? Let us know that. But then number two, how can we pray for you? Uh, Our leaders, our pastors pray every week for different needs that are uh, going on in your lives. And we want to know so we can support you and pray for you in this season. And then also on our app, if you call Redemption Hill home and you've been a part, we hope that you are so excited about the mission of God through Redemption Hill that you're giving financial gifts uh, to further God's mission here. And uh, we're, we're seeing that. We're in a really healthy spot Considering we've come through a pandemic, uh, but we need to continue to, uh, to give what God has given to us as an act of worship uh, in light of who he is and what he wants to do in our city. So uh, thank you for, for how you do that. Well, uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 21, and I'm titling this sermon Echo. Echo. We all know, know know what an echo, echo, echo is, right? I mean, I mean, you, we all, we all, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not going to keep doing that. That would be super annoying. You're like, I'm not coming back to this church, man. This pastor's, oh. Uh, no, but we get it, right? The, 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 an echo is a repetition of sound that's produced by the reflection of sound waves bouncing off another surface and coming back. I think back to my childhood when I think about an echo. My 11-year-old self in an empty basketball gym after my dad coached his high school team and after everyone's left, all the fans, all the players, even the the custodians, they finished cleaning. My dad's still, you know, talking to his coaches and making calls. and, And so I get to get the basketball in total empty gym and just dribble that ball on the hardwood floor. And when you do that, the echo reverberates off every wall. Such a beautiful sound. I still miss it today. But just like sounds, we have experiences that also seem to echo in our lives. We find ourselves in similar situations and circumstances where there's there's some kind of echo that we feel like we've been here before, that there's there's just something uh, so so, uh, similar about the situation. We feel like we're receiving the same message, receiving the same lesson, maybe seeing the same thing for the second, the third, or the, the 20th time. And what we're going to find here in this chapter is that God at times comes into our lives with echo moments to remind us of 
who he is and pull us in to a deeper relationship with him. As we come to this third revelation of Jesus after he was raised from the dead, he's going to reveal himself to the disciples again, but it's purposeful. It's for an opportunity to echo what he has done in their lives in the past, which is going to prepare them for what they're about to do in the future. And so if you would, follow along as I read John chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. This is what John, the beloved disciple, writes. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of the fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said, to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. Let's pray one more time. God, we ask. We ask that in these moments, just as we have read about the revelation of Jesus to seven of his closest followers, that we too would have an experience of you today, to, to see a revelation of Jesus Christ, to hear the voice of Jesus, just like his voice is, is, is shouting and speaking in this text, God, that we would hear your voice by your Holy Spirit and that you would take us to new places. 
God, as we think about a reset in our lives, God, we, we ask that you would reset the places of our hearts with you that need your refining touch, that we would experience all of who you are and be all that you have made us to be. Not for our sake, God, but for your sake, we pray through Christ. Amen. This morning, as we think about this idea of the echo of God's voice, the echo of God's presence, I want to give you three encouragements that we see here from this story today. The first encouragement is simply this. Remember your assignment from Jesus. Remember your assignment from Jesus. Verse 1 tells us that the disciples were back in a familiar place. Uh, before and after Jesus rose from the dead, he told the disciples, hey, I'm going to be crucified. I'm going to rise from the dead. And then after that, you're going to meet me in Galilee, where you're from, where I called you to follow me in the very first place. So the disciples have taken the instruction of Jesus. They made their way back to Galilee after the feast of the Passover. And not to our surprise, they're doing what they grew up doing, what they uh, did for their vocation, which was go fishing. On the Sea of Galilee, when verse 1 talks about the Sea of Tiberias, that's synonymous with the Sea of Galilee. But let's not miss the key word in verse 1. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. And he revealed himself in this way. We said last week that in order to experience a spiritual reset in our souls, we first must have a recognition of where we are, our spiritual condition, but that's not enough. We, secondly, we need a revelation of Jesus. We need to understand who he is and the life that he is calling us into. And so once again, just as we saw Jesus reveal himself to Thomas last week, now we find Jesus once again revealing himself to his disciples. And it happened in this way. Verse 2 tells us that seven of the disciples were there on Galilee's shore. Simon, Peter, James, and John, who were the sons of Zebedee, Thomas the twin, who we saw last week at the end of John chapter 20. Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee is the same Nathaniel of John chapter 1, who said, can anything good come from Nazareth? And then Jesus rolls up and he says, what's up, Nathaniel? I know you. Nathaniel's like, what? What are you talking about? Jesus said, before uh, you even spoke a word, I saw you under the fig tree. And, and, and uh, Nathaniel says, you, you are uh, the, the son of God. Just amazing. So Nathaniel, one of the disciples, as well as two others. And they're hanging out here just waiting for Jesus to meet them as he said he would. And Peter in verse 3 says, hey, I'm going fishing. Like, let's, let's be productive with our time. Maybe this is work-related. Maybe this is hobby. We don't know. But Peter says, hey, I'm getting in the boat. I'm going fishing. And the other six disciples say, we're going to go with you. A common experience for some of these men were professional fishermen. But this night, it tells us in verse 4 that they did not have a good night. In fact, it was a really, really bad night because it says at the end, that night they caught nothing. And then we see a shift in verse 4. 
It says that Jesus was standing on the shore of the Sea of Galilee while his friends are out fishing on the water. And, and he yells to them. We know verse 8 told us it was 100 yards, so he would have had to yell to them, Hey, children, do you have any fish? And this, at this point, you know, was not the question that the disciples wanted to be asked by anyone. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, uh, you know, Dan, how'd the game? My guy Dan's a football coach at Woburn High. Hey, Dan, how'd the game go last night? And they just got beat by 50. All right, they actually won Friday night. Congratulations, Dan. That's a good win for, for the, for the Woburn Tanners. Great, great mascot, by the way. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, but, like, we've been there. Like, how'd the game go? We got, we got annihilated. Or, or, you know, how, how was the test yesterday? Oh, I bombed it. Yeah, not, not awesome. Or how was, how was that date, you know, Friday night? She ghosted me. <laughs> right? Like, we've all had these moments for the, for the disciples. They're out fishing and, and they catch nothing. And to not only have to admit that they didn't catch anything was one thing, but then they get this coaching from this stranger on the shore that says, hey, why don't you try the right side of the boat? And if I'm putting myself in the disciples' shoes, I'm probably just a little irritated because I'm already frustrated that I haven't caught any fish. And then someone's trying to coach me on my job that I've done my whole life. I can just imagine that, and perhaps with a little spitefulness, they, they throw the net in the water one more time just to prove, like, hey, we've been here all night. There's no fish here. We're going to show you empty nets, nothing. But as the story goes on, we see that is not what happens. It says in verse 6 that they cast the net, but they were not able to haul it in. Why? Because of the quantity of fish. And in this moment, the disciples begin to hear a massive echo in their ears. You say, Pastor Tanner, what, what are you talking about? If we were to rewind the film of their lives three years, we would find them once again on the Sea of Galilee fishing. And this is captured for us in Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. So you can turn there or you can listen carefully as I read these verses for us. But I just want you to listen for all of the echoes in this story. Luke writes this. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, Jesus, he, Jesus, was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, which is another term for the Sea of Galilee or the Sea of Tiberias. Okay, three different uh, uh, kind of descriptions of the same uh, sea. And then verse 2 says this, And he saw two boats by the lake. But the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into to one of the boats, which was Simon's, Jesus asked him to put it out a little farther from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Peter, he says, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. 
but at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Do you hear the echoes in the story? Jesus on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. The disciples out in the boat fishing once again, once again catching absolutely nothing. Once again, Jesus speaking the most irrational instruction. Hey, why don't you try again? And Peter's like, well, you've, are you a fisherman, Jesus? Because we've been out there all night. We didn't catch anything. But hey, since you said so, I'll do it. And when he does, the nets are so full that they cannot even uh, bring it in without sinking both uh, their boat and the boat of their partners. And in that miraculous moment, listen, there was a revelation of Jesus Christ, his glory, who he is. For Peter to go to Jesus and say, depart from me, I am a sinful man. What he is saying is, Jesus, you're more than a man. You're the son of God. And and I need space between me and my sinful self and you and your holy self. There's a revelation of, of Jesus Christ here. And I have absolutely no doubt that Jesus shows up on this particular morning on the shore of Galilee Sea, knowing that the disciples had just spent all night catching nothing, and he hollers to them and says, hey, did you catch anything? And they say, no, and this echo is just happening one after another. He tried the right side of the boat, just like try, try again before there's another echo, and they pull in, and they eat so many fish that they can't even pull it in, just echo after echo after echo after echo. And why is this? I believe that this moment for the disciples, as they hear this echo, they cannot help but think back to Luke chapter 5, the first time that Jesus called them to follow him. He came to them and he said, hey, you're doing a great job fishing and you're in your father's you know, business and, and things are going well. But listen, I have a greater purpose for you. I have a greater mission for you. You're going to follow me, and you are going to not catch fish, but you are going to catch people. In other words, you are going to tell people about the kingdom of God and who I am and how they can get reconnected to God again through my life, my death, and my rising again from death. This moment for the disciples was a reminder of their original call, and consequently, it was a recommissioning of their call to follow Jesus and to be on mission with him. 
And I'm here to tell you today, listen, if you follow Jesus Christ, if you have seen Jesus for who he is, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, the Messiah, the one who is not only king of the world, but the one who wants to be our very closest friend, and you've answered the call to follow him, listen, you are called no less than Peter, James, John, Nathaniel, Thomas, and the two other disciples that were in this moment of echo for them as well. God has called every follower of Jesus to join him. Listen, this is crazy. He invites us to partner with him in his work in the world. We heard about Francesca on the campus of Wellesley. speaking into college students' lives and equipping college students to to reach out to other college students who have no clue of who Jesus is to invite them in to a relationship with the God who made them. Listen, this is all of our assignment. And so I would ask you this morning, listen, who are you praying for in your life that needs a, a real vibrant relationship with with God through Jesus Christ. Not just like, hey, God, you're up there. I pray to you like maybe a couple times a year when I really need, like, no, no, hate, no, like we get that and we understand that. And if that's you today, listen, we we welcome you into our church to explore more that God is, is more than just available or accessible to you sometimes, but he actually wants to relate to you every single Who are you praying for? Who are you reaching out to? Who are you building a relationship with so that you can not only love them and serve them, but so that you can point them to the one who means the most to you, Jesus Christ? We're really big at Redemption Hill on what we call relational evangelism. Evangelism just means telling people the good news about Jesus so that they can experience the treasure of the gospel that we found, the joy, the life, the peace, the 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 love that, that we know through Christ. But, as one pastor has said, relational evangelism is not evangelism at all until the word of God enters that relationship. And I can just speak from transparent experience that one of my biggest regrets in life is relationshipping the mess out of relational evangelism and never pointing someone to Jesus. And we all have these fears, right? We all have like, man, I don't want to turn my friend off. I don't, want to, I don't want to move too fast. I don't want to freak them out. I don't want to, you know, it's just like, but instead of just being genuine and sincere, this is who I am. And I'm not shoving it down your throat. I just, I just want to invite you into the story. And I can't decide for you, but, but this, is, this is who Jesus is. And, and this is what he said. And all the questions that you have about life, because we all have questions. Why are we here? How did we get here? Uh, what's, what's, the, what's wrong with the world? How can it all be made right? Will we live forever? Listen, every person asks those questions and answers the, those questions. And I have found no explanation that is both rationally plausible and experientially satisfying like the story of Jesus Christ. And so part of maybe what the reset we need is a reset of our assignment to remember that that Jesus has given us an assignment as we follow him, to follow him in such a way that we just say, hey, you're invited in to follow Jesus with me. Number one, remember the assignment that you have been given from Jesus. But then number two, listen, I I love this. We see this in verses seven and eight. Throw yourself headlong toward Jesus. 
throw yourself headlong. That means like head first toward Jesus. We see this going on in verses 7 and 8. Verse 7 says this, that disciple whom Jesus loved. This is, this is uh, the disciple John's interesting way of talking about himself. It's actually uh, a, a, a term of affection that shows how close he was with Jesus. We could look at it like, hey, this is a little arrogant John, but, but it's actually a way of him communicating, hey, Jesus and I are so close that I can say this about myself. But, but it says here that this disciple whom Jesus loved recognizes that it's Jesus. So he said to Peter, it is the Lord. And when John is experiencing this echo between what just happened and what happened three years ago, he lets Peter know, and as soon as those words hit Peter's ears... With one motion, Peter wraps up his garment around him and dives into the water so that he can get to Jesus. I hope you can, you can see Peter. I would, even if you just need to close your eyes and picture Peter, as soon as he hears this, his heart explodes. He's so excited to know that Jesus is on the shore. He's so eager to be with him that the, the word says he threw himself into the water. Some translations say he cast himself into the water. Some translations say he plunged himself into the water. What we have here is a picture of zero hesitation. Peter is so eager to be with Jesus that, that he doesn't hesitate. He doesn't consider what everyone else is going to think about him. Hello. He just says, this is the most important person in my life. This is, as Thomas said last week, this is my Lord and my God. And if he's on the shore, then I want to get to the shore. He's saying, Jesus, if that is where you are, then that is where I want to be. Nothing is going to stop me from being with you. We see the level of urgency in Peter's action. We see the passion. There's no reservation. We see the holy impatience. We see how he's, he's not held back by the chains of human opinion, but he's compelled by the presence of divine love. I love Peter's devotion to Jesus here. What we see in this picture, he's saying like, look, you can call me crazy, okay? You can think that I'm out of my mind, that I could just wait a few more minutes and row back with you guys to the shore. But listen, I love him so much that I will do whatever it takes to be with him. Peter holds nothing back. And I hope this picture of Peter diving out of the boat headlong into the water to get to Jesus as quickly as he can gets etched into your minds and your hearts today. Because I truly believe there are few pictures of greater devotion to Jesus than the one we find right here with Peter throwing himself headlong toward Jesus Christ. I want to ask you today, as you look into the mirror of your life, does Peter's disposition toward Jesus reflect the disposition of your heart? 
Do you in any way hesitate when you see Jesus on the shore? Are you holding anything back in your friendship with Jesus or are you throwing yourself headlong into his heart? Maybe you would say today, like so many said in our our groups this past week as we shared and and even as I had individual conversations, Pastor Tanner, listen, what you're talking about, spiritual reset, that's what I need. I need a reset of passion. I need a reset of devotion. I need what Jesus talks about in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4, some of the most convicting words in the Bible, I think. When Jesus speaks to the the church uh, there and he says, but I have this against you. Some things were going well and you were doing some good things and you have these good works. But listen, I have this against you. That you have, don't miss that word, abandoned the love you had at first. You've abandoned the love you had at first. You've moved away from the the love, the intense, burning passion that you had when you first began to follow me. Do you remember the time? Do you remember what it was like when you first discovered who Jesus Christ is and you said, he is the great priority of my life? There's no person, there's no girlfriend or boyfriend, there's no spouse, there's no child, there's no mother or father that compares to him. There's there's no one else, nothing else that gets my best thoughts, my best time, that, that I am willing to do anything that he says because I love him so much. I'm willing to be made a fool if that's what it means just to simply be with him and to follow him. Are you currently experiencing the love you had at first? I'm telling you, that's what Jesus wants for you. I can say that with complete confidence today. I don't know where you are. I don't know where, what, you, what your story looks like these days. But listen, Jesus is continuing to come after us day after day after day. I love what, what, what we see here in, in John chapter 20 and 21, that, that Jesus is the one that is showing up. Jesus is the one who is pursuing his disciples. Jesus is the one who is revealing who he is, that they might be brought into a deeper experience of his love. Remember your assignment from Jesus. And then, listen, throw yourself headlong into a life of pursuit and passionate devotion toward Jesus every single day. And then finally, what we see in this builds on this devotion that we see in the picture of Peter's life. Number three, listen, enjoy building intimacy with Jesus. As the story goes on and we read verses 9 through 14, what we find here is that when they get to the shore, Jesus is waiting for them. And he's prepared breakfast for them. Uh, In this action, listen, we see so much of God's heart toward us. Verse 9 says that Jesus prepared a meal for them. He gathered the fire. He got the fish and the bread. And this is what friends do, right? We, we host, we're hospitable to, to one another. And Jesus invites them in in verse 12. He says, come and have breakfast. 
Once again, who is inviting who? It's Jesus inviting the disciples to sit with him. It's Jesus taking the initiative. Again, maybe he's speaking to your heart this morning as we're talking about passion and devotion. He's saying, come on over. I want more time with you. I want a deeper relationship with you. I want to build intimacy with you again. And then verse 13, it might blow you away. It says that Jesus served them. It says Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. Again, another echo of the night before he was crucified. What was Jesus doing? He was in the upper room enjoying the last meal that he would share with the disciples, the Passover meal when he says, this bread is representative of my body broken for you. This, this cup of wine is representative of my blood that is shed for you. But before he did that, what did Jesus do? He took a towel and he kneeled down and he was washing the disciples' feet, an act that was reserved for the, the very lowest in, in, in the view of society. Jesus serving them again, saying, hey, here's, here's some bread, here's some fish. Let me serve you. Let me offer this to you. And, and then I, I love also the inclusive style of Jesus. In verse 10, it says that he says, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. I mean, again, this is, this is what friends do, right? They, they share and they, they, they uh, partake together and everyone is contributing to this, this meal that Jesus has prepared. But it's important for us to understand this. In the first century, particularly first century Israel, to share a meal with someone was more than just saying, hey, let's grab a quick bite to eat. It was a gesture of deep friendship. It was saying, I accept you. I am willing to be associated with you. It was more than just sharing bread and fish. It was the sharing, listen, it was the sharing of hearts and souls with one another. This is the picture of Jesus Christ as he reveals himself to the disciples again. And I'm thrilled to tell you today, listen, Jesus is the same God He's still on the shore cooking breakfast and inviting each one of us to come and to share a meal with him. He, he wants us to, to come and to sit and enjoy some time together. He just wants to be with you. He really, truly does. I want to say that again. Listen, Jesus Christ, the God who made the world and everything in it, wants to have a seat with you and just spend time with you. He loves you like that. And I know some of you are like, man, I, that's, that's wild. I'm not sure I can believe that. Listen, I'm just praying that God would help you see who he is, how much he loves you, how he wants to build this intimate relationship with you. To know Jesus is to want more of Jesus, more time with him, more understanding of who he is, more experiences with him. And this, listen, this has been our focus as a church in 2021. As we, as we began the year, we said, listen, if we're going to focus on one thing, it's going to be what it looks like to follow Jesus in a day-by-day in a day kind of manner. And so we said, if, if we just focus on one prayer and one action as a church, this is what we want. In 2021, we collectively want to spend one million minutes with God as a church family. And you say a million minutes is a lot of minutes. That's right, but it's actually not. Because here's why. 
if each one of us simply take 1% of our day in focused face-to-face time with God, we collectively would spend 1 million minutes with God this year. And so some of you are new to Redemption Hill. You've connected over the summer or even in the past week. Maybe today's your first time. Like, hey, what's this church about? Okay, we're all about Jesus. And this year we're really focused on helping equip people on what it looks like to walk with him and spend time with him daily. So I would draw your attention to these words, which are reflected right here in the text, that God wants us to spend focused, face-to-face time with him. Think Think about what it means to focus. When we focus, we put ourselves in an environment where we are free from distraction and interruption. Now listen, in the world we live in, that can be difficult, right? But when you're spending quality time with someone, someone that you love the the most, I mean, you, you want to be fully focused, fully engaged, receiving and giving, giving so that they might receive But then this is face-to-face time. God wants to relate to you as a friend relates to a friend. When we pray, when we read the Bible, when we sing songs of praise, we are not performing a ritual. We are enjoying a relationship. Please don't think when you open your Bible in the morning, you are coming to words on a page. These words come from a person who loves you. That's why we spend time in God's word. That's why we pray. We're praying to the the God who made us and loves us like no other. So today I want to ask another question. How comfortable are you sitting with Jesus? How comfortable are you sitting with Jesus. We've all had the experience when we, we meet a, a stranger that, that we're, we're maybe just a little bit guarded because we don't know them, so we may not say what is really on our mind or, or we may be kind of calculating, like, uh, I'm not sure this is going, like how much longer do I need to kind of hang in there, but, right? I mean, what a question to ask ourselves. How comfortable are we sitting with Jesus because Jesus listen Jesus is super comfortable sitting with us he already has the time on the calendar for today and tomorrow just to sit with you just to be with you just to spend quality focused face-to-face time with him I can tell you this listen there are a lot of things that I regret in my life and I'm sure that you can say the same but I have never, not once, regretted one minute I have spent in focused face-to-face time with God. I've never, not once, regretted letting that 30 minutes linger to 45 minutes lingering to 60 minutes lingering to whatever it is. Because when the, the very God of gods, the only true God, is pouring himself into me in a relational way. I can't help but be encouraged and built up and changed by that time with him. And so listen, I don't, I don't know where you are in, 
and just sitting with Jesus, just enjoying him day by day in a relational way. But I can tell you, he wants that with you. And there may need to be some things that change in your life. We said last week a spiritual reset is about what? Recognition, revelation, and then repentance, changing. That, that we may need to just say, hey, in order for me to get focused, undistracted time, that means that I need to wake up earlier. I believe that one of the greatest weapons that we have in order to fight the good fight of faith and to experience more of God is, listen, the alarm clock the alarm clock. Let me just speak from the heart for a minute. Listen, early on this year, March, April, your boy, Pastor Tanner, I was doing okay. Not to boast at all, but I, was, I wasn't missing a day of, in my time with God. But you get to that place where that's, that's not enough. That's not like, that's not the goal just to show up. I knew that there was a quality missing. I knew that, that, that God wanted more with me and for me. And so God brought that level of conviction in my soul that said, hey, some things need to change. The way you're going about your week, the way you're going about your morning, the time you're waking up, listen, you need to make a sacrifice, 515. 515. Was it it easy, like the first morning? It wasn't easy. Because to wake up at 515 meant that I needed to go to bed at like, I don't know. 9.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.30, 10.
and it was during the pandemic when it first hit. And I don't know about you guys, but um, I was in a place where I felt uh, very down, very lonely, very isolated. And um, I remember thinking, oh, is, am I depressed? What am I, you know, what am I going through? Um, is, it, is it just the pandemic? Um, but what he started to show me was that um, it wasn't that at all, but it was the fact that I had become extremely complacent in my relationship with God. Um, there were no more rhythms of prayer, mm. no more rhythms of worship, um, mm. no more rhythms of community. Mm. And um, I, I, wanted, I wanted to get plugged in. And I knew that I had put myself first. I knew that I had put my confidence in myself, in my friends, in the gym, in going out, in my job, in my side business. And mm. I little by little let all of these things um, into my life first and I put God second and it was easy to walk around and say I love God I know God God is my savior but being separated my sin separated me from him from him and my sin was my pride and putting myself first and um, I ended up attending um, it had been a while since I had attended community group, and I started attending with the Agulas, um, with their group. And the love of God and the joy and the grace and the pursuit of God that I saw in that group brought me to tears. And I said to God, that's what I want, and that's, that's what I'm missing. And There were moments where I felt so apart from God, but I made changes in my life where I was starting to show up, you know, in the morning to read my Bible, to pray, to be on my knees, to seek his face. And there were days that I would show up and I would say, God, I, I don't feel you at all. I don't know where you are, but I know that you're working because you're always at work and I'm showing up and I know that you're going to come through. And praise God, he did. He came through, and it was through community, community through um, um, community groups. It was from being in the Word and being in prayer. Um, I am not by any stretch the perfect Christian now, um, but I do know that if I'm not in the Word and if I'm not in prayer, then I am not equipped to live a life, um, a life for God. Uh, one of the things that he showed me when I was getting into the word was um, that those who live according to the flesh mm. set their minds on the things of the flesh. And those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit. Mm. And to set your minds on the things of the flesh is death. Mm. And to set your minds on the things of the spirit is life in peace. And I, I realized that the, the path that I was heading towards was death and spiritual death if I didn't come back to the Lord. And of course, it was him who drew, who drew me back to him. Mm -hmm. I praise God for that. Um, another thing that throughout when I had um, kind of gotten out of the rhythms of praying and following the Lord and, and worshiping and living for him um, was a friend of mine said to me, I remember when I met you, she goes, you loved Jesus so much. 
she goes, you, she goes, you love them so much. And to her, she was like, wow, I can't, you know, believe how far you've come. And I think there was a lot of conviction in that. Um, and I remember asking, and I, I, it was, I believe it was Emma Lombard at one of our um, community groups. I said, you know, how do you know if you're a Christian? Like, sometimes I think I'm saved, but if I were to die now, I, I really honestly don't know where I'd go. And she said, it's by your fruit. And the Lord showed me that I was not producing fruit for him. Um, but my encouragement to all of you is that no matter where you're feeling, um, if, if you feel like there is a spiritual deficit, if you feel like you've gone so far from God, I'm just here to encourage you that that could be, there's no bigger lie than that to say that you can't come back and that's that the right. Lord can draw you near. And so I would just encourage you, if that's where you're at, just to really draw near to him and, and to seek him. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Mel. Awesome. Yeah, so good. Um, so, so thankful for Mel's story and sharing it so openly with transparency. And that, I hope you hear that message. We, we all, we all hit seasons in our journey with God where we need a spiritual reset. And we need the strength of God to move us into a new season that he has for us. And so listen, what God has done for Mel, he can do for you. If that's where you are today and you need this, this renewal and this remembering uh, how much God loves you and just living with that kind of devotion that you had at first, listen, that's what God has. That's what he wants. And so I'm going to invite the music team to come up and they're going to lead us in a, a song of response, which is really a prayer. But as they come, listen, the, the, the primary encouragement for us today is simply this. Let the echo of God's love bring you back to the love you had at first. Let the echo of God's love, he's, he's telling you again, he's, he's speaking to you today. Listen, let that draw you in to the love that you enjoyed with him at first. And so what I want to do is this. I want to pray and and we're going to sing a song that's a prayer that, that asks, asks God to refine us. That God would be like a consuming fire to the point that he burns away the things in our lives that don't reflect him. So that he can be our greatest passion. So that our lives would, would burn for him in a fresh way. And so I want to invite you, after I pray, we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And I want to invite you, sing this dangerous prayer. And let God do a work in your soul, a work of reset that pushes you into a greater joy and a greater love that he wants to deposit in your soul today. God, we thank you for this word. God, we thank you for the story of of Peter and James and John and Thomas and Nathaniel. And God, we thank you for the story you've invited us into. We thank you for how you're still coming after us and pursuing us by your spirit. Just as Mel has shared, Lord, you, you never stop loving us. But we have to respond to your love. We have to, to throw ourselves headlong toward your heart to experience more of all that you are, more that you have for us. So God, we ask in these moments, God, would you refine us? Would you change us? Would you reignite that first love that we enjoyed when, when you were the priority of our life, when, when everything else was, was secondary compared to you? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand and let's sing together.